Welcome back to Historical Fantasy. I'm Guinevere Lee. You are about to hear Chapter 5 of Lead in the Samurai. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to the first four chapters before you continue. Lead in the Samurai by Guinevere Lee, as read by the author. Chapter 5, Samurai. Maybe she's one of the Ainu, Shoko suggested with the dismissive tone of a woman who didn't really care about the answer. It was obvious from the frown on Shoko's face every time she was in the same room as Lita that she didn't approve. Shoko was a matronly woman, though she'd never had any children of her own. She had worked for the Miyamoto family long before they had come to Sendai. She had watched over Benosuke when he was just a boy, and when they were in private she would still sometimes call him by his childhood nickname of Benkun. When Ben had decided to follow his daimyo, Tatemasumune, to found Sendai, there was no question of her following her master. They sat in the small room, a tray of tea set between them on the tatami mats. The sliding doors leading outside were open, and bright sunlight streamed in. They could make out the sounds of city life, but they were mostly muffled and there was a peacefulness. But look here! Ben held the ripped and torn yukata out. Shoko had had the garment washed at Ben's insistence even though at best the yukata could now only be used for rags or diapers. Really, Ben just wanted to find out more about who this woman was. The yukata was of exceptional quality. The cotton was thick and the chrysanthemum pattern on it was done by a technique neither Shoko nor any of the servants in this house had ever seen. Whoever this Lita was, he assumed she must have been the daughter of a lord. The bandits who had been chasing her must have thought the same thing. Here's some foolish rich girl we can ransom. What had she been doing in the woods by herself? Nandeska. What is it? Shoko asked, looking at the piece of yukata Ben held out. Stitched into the yukata collar was a white piece of cloth. A tag, though neither knew it. Written on the top was the name Sasaki Yukata. Although in a strange style they could read it well enough, what was bizarre was how the writing read from left to right, when it should have been right to left. That wasn't even the strangest thing, though. Underneath were the markings Quality Yukata, and in smaller letters beneath, Made in Japan. It's Latin, he explained with a grin. Oh, what does it say, then? Shoko took hold of the cloth, turning it around to read it from different angles. Ben laughed awkwardly. I don't know. I don't speak Latin. How do you know what it is, then? I saw a book once. He hesitated. He knew the next words would be dangerous to say out loud, even to someone he trusted. A Christian monk had it. Ara? You think she's Christian? He shook his head and shrugged. There was something bizarre about Lita. She didn't wear the clothes of a Christian, and when she had spoken, she barely had an accent. He'd only met a Christian twice. While accompanying his daimyo to Kyoto, the Christians had been about... They came from a country called Portugal and talked of little beyond their religion. What Japanese they could speak was said with such a thick accent he had barely understood them. So was she foreign or not? Behind them a sliding door opened. A young girl kneeled on the other side of the door, bowing her head low as she spoke. Masasa Shige-sama has graced us with his presence. He waits for you in the garden. Ben stiffened. Masashige Kusunoki only ever called on anyone for official business. He was one of Date Masamune's most trusted advisors, and carried out his master's will unquestioningly. 
It wasn't unusual for Kusunoki to make house calls, but he wouldn't be there without a reason, and there was only one reason Ben could think of. Keep that out of sight, he motioned towards the yukata as he got up and made his way down the wooden hall that led to the garden. The garden was in the center of the house, in a courtyard that included a pond and several varieties of trees and flowers. The garden was Shoko's passion, though Ben did enjoy sitting on the moss-covered rocks there from time to time. The house was as new as the village around it. There had been a village before the Date clan had come here, but it had been small and unimpressive. They had pulled all the houses down before building anew. Date himself had designed the streets and parceled out the territory to those he saw fit. The samurai, like Ben, were on the west bank of the river, on the slope of the hill leading up to the castle. The craftspeople and farmers were on the east bank. The village, as yet untouched by a major earthquake or fire, was pristine. The samurai had been given generous plots of land to build on. Although he wasn't especially rich or powerful within the Date clan, his home felt as though it belonged to a daimyo. Kusunoki was not immediately visible. It took a moment for Ben to see the older man was crouching near the pond. To his amusement, Ben noticed that Kusunoki was petting a small cat who often snuck into the garden in an attempt to reach the fish in the ponds. The white cat with black patches and calico highlights had become a bit of a mascot for his servants. Shoko had even named the cat Ninko, a play on the word ninja and neko for cat. Don't let Ninko fool you. She lures her prey in by playing koi, Ben said with a smile. Kusunoki instantly stood up, scaring Ninko away. He turned around, looking mildly embarrassed. It was no secret that although Kusunoki had proven himself to be a great warrior in the battlefield, he had a particularly soft spot for animals. Miyamoto-san, I'm glad to see you are well. Had you heard otherwise? He jumped down from the porch to the stone path that wound through the garden. We heard there was some trouble with bandits, the old warrior narrowed his eyes. Ben shrugged. I was fishing and one crossed my path, yes. You fought him? Eto. It would do no good to say he had run. Kusunoki would not care that something far more dangerous had been in the forest with those bandits. The last thing he needed was to gain the reputation of a coward. The bastard was shooting arrows at me from the forest. I had to retreat. And the girl? So he had heard. Obviously he had been seen by several people as he had ridden home with her on his horse. Just a farmer's girl. I sent her back to her father. Did you really come here just to ask me that? I came to ask you why you didn't report this to your daimyo. Bandits so near to the village and you didn't think to report immediately to Date-sama? Genuinely feeling like a fool, he bowed low. I apologize for my stupidity. He spoke sincerely. He'd gotten so caught up in the mystery of the woman that he hadn't even thought to ride to the castle and report the events. For Date to hear it secondhand was an embarrassment. Is there anything else you would like to report now, then? Ben kept looking at the ground, wondering if he should be honest. It was possible Kusunoki might know who Lita was, who her family was. But if he told the advisor about her, there was no doubt Kusunoki would order her move to the castle. But he was certain she did not belong to this land. Her eyes were bluer than a clear sky. The curves of her body, even her pronounced nose and brow, did not look Japanese. Being a foreigner was no crime in itself. Being a Christian, on the other hand, he hadn't witnessed the executions himself, but he had heard what happened to those Portuguese Christians he'd met. 
They, and dozens of others, had been tied to crosses, spears thrust through either side of their bodies. They had died screaming in agony because the shogun saw them as a threat. Ben knew it was only a matter of time before the shogun ordered every Christian in the land to be executed. I only saw the one bandit, but I believe there were more. I can show you the place where I saw him, if it will help. Kusunoki scoffed. It would have helped yesterday. By now the bandits are gone. Look at me, Miyamoto-san. Ben tentatively straightened his back and met Kusunoki's steel gaze. No one made you come to Sendai. You begged to serve your daimyo here. Serve him better. Forgive me, I won't fail Datesama again. He bowed once more. Do not dishonor your father's name. Do not... Kusunoki trailed off. From his vantage point, Ben could see Ninko emerge from a bush. The cat trotted over to Kusunoki's leg and began to rub its body up and down, purring loudly. Ben had to bite his cheek to keep from laughing. Kusunoki, distracted by the cat, lost the steam of his anger. It would be impossible to sound intimidating with a cat showing him such affection, but he didn't have the heart to kick the little rascal away. That is all, Kusunoki muttered and quickly walked away, leaving Ben alone in the garden. Ben waited until he knew Kusunoki was gone, then he crouched down and scratched Ninko under the chin. You saved me from a scolding. Arigato gozaimashita, Ninko-chan. Kusunoki left the Miyamoto house feeling a disquiet in his soul. When they had received news that bandits had attacked someone on the river yesterday, men had been sent out to investigate. Most of the bandits had long since left the area, but three men were found. From the report he had heard how the samurai had found the bandits terrified, hiding in a bamboo grove. They snuck up on them, running the first through the back. He died slowly, his lungs filling with blood. He drowned on the forest floor. The other two gave a better fight. One had his stomach opened by a well-landed strike from the katana. His guts had spilled from him like water cascading over the edge of a cliff. Kusunoki had witnessed similar moments on battlefields. For some reason, the men almost always looked confused rather than frightened. They would kneel in the mud, and with a feeble gesture trying to gather their guts up and push them back in before their strength fled them and they collapsed. Finally, the last had been brought back nearly whole. Kusunoki left his interrogation to the others. Killing a man in battle, or on the orders of his daimyo, was not a problem for Kusunoki. He did not revel in others' pain, though. Luckily, there were more than enough men in his employ who did. Bandits were hardly known for their loyalty, and he had talked before the hour of the dog. While Kusunoki was having his evening meal, it had even ended. The men worked on the bandit well through the night, though, just in case he was leaving out any information. The bandit claimed they had captured a strange-looking woman. She spoke an unknown language. However, she was dressed in expensive clothes, and they assumed she was perhaps a foreign noble. Kusunoki had decided to leave the bandit's claim of an oni finding and destroying their camp. Date would not have approved. Instead, he focused on the girl. One man said she was a foreign noble. One man said she was a local farm girl. One man was an outlaw, outcast and unwanted from society. One man was a samurai who had pledged his life to serve Date Masamune. One man was lying. Appendix 
This is just a quick reference guide for some of the things, people, and places mentioned in Lita and the Samurai. For a more in-depth look at the history and mythology surrounding Edo-era Japan, check out the podcast Historical Fantasy. Ainu The indigenous people of Hokkaido Daimyo A feudal lord Date Masamune In 1600, Date Masamune founded the city of Sendai and became the most influential feudal lord in Tohoku. Edo The Japanese time period between 1603 and 1868, marked by the rise of the shogun Tokugawa Ieyasu. Fukinagashi, paper tanabata ornaments. Futon, a thin mattress, usually laid out on tatami mats. Geta, wooden sandals with cloth thongs. Hakama, a type of trousers tied around the waist and worn over a kimono. Hirose River, a 45-kilometer-long river that winds through Sendai. Hokkaido, the most northern of the four largest islands of Japan, the other three being Honshu, Kyushu, and Shikoku. Hour of the Dog. In the Edo era, Japan worked on a 12-hour system. The hour of the dog was the first hour in the evening. Kanji, Chinese characters adopted into Japanese writing. Kataginu, Sleeveless ceremonial robe, similar to a vest. Katakana. A phonetic writing system adopted from kanji, usually used for foreign words. Katana. A traditional curved blade around 60 to 75 centimeters long. Kimono. A gown of two or three layered silk robes tied at the waist by a thick, stiff sash called an obi. Omikuji. Fortunes, written on paper, sold at temples and shrines. No, traditional Japanese theater, where the actors wear masks. Ninko, the name combines nin from ninja and ko from neko. Reda, in the Japanese writing system, our R and L sounds are interchangeable. Reda can be read lida or reda, but I used Reda just to show they're pronouncing her name slightly differently. Sake. It should be noted that sake is just a general word for alcohol and not rice wine. Rice wine is actually called Nihonshu, which literally means Japanese alcohol. Samurai. A class of nobles who serve a daimyo. Sendai. The largest city in Tohoku, founded in 1600 by Date Masamune. Shinto. Translated as the way of the gods, Shintoism is a Japanese religion that focuses on retaining a connection with one's ancestors. Shogun. The traditional leader of the emperor's army and the head of the state during the Edo era. Tanabata. A festival traditionally held on the seventh day of the seventh month, where two mythical lovers are allowed to cross the sky and be together. Tatami. Traditional mats made from weaving rice straw. Tori, gates, usually painted bright red, which marks the entrance to Shinto shrines. Tokugawa Ieyasu, the shogun who united Japan in 1603, bringing stability for over 200 years. Yen, N, Japanese currency. Yoshinoa, a chain of restaurants known for serving gyudon and other inexpensive and quick meals. Yukata, a gown of one or two layered cotton robes tied at the waist by a thick, stiff sash called an obi. Notes
I've taken a few liberties in how I write out Japanese in Romaji, the alphabet. Generally, when Japanese is written out in Romaji, what are seen as confusing or redundant vowels get cut. I.e., arigato, with a U at the end, becomes arigato, with no U. I have never liked this. Since the presence of the extra vowel at the end does in fact change the pronunciation, and sometimes even the meaning of a word, sometimes this vowel is replaced with an H or an accent, both of which are limited because they don't indicate which vowel was taken out. I have kept all vowels intact, as it were, so words like arigato with a U are written as arigato with a U. That being said, I have kept the shortened version of proper names, Tokyo with no U instead of Tokyo with a U. This is just to avoid confusion. I included accents on some vowels to indicate that the vowels should be pronounced. For example, date is pronounced date and not like the English word date. Within the text, words spoken in italics are being spoken in Japanese. A sentence in italics following a Japanese quote is the English translation. The symbol used in the scene breaks, the large circle surrounded by eight smaller circles, is one of Date Masamune's sigils, or mon. It is inspired by the Navagraha, or nine celestial bodies. It is sometimes called the nine planets by the people of Sendai. References Sadler, A.L., 1978, Shogun, The Life of Tokugawa Ieyasu, Singapore, Tuttle. Glossary Amari, a small amount. Ara, not a proper word, but rather a sound someone makes when surprised. Arigato, thank you. Baka, idiot. Chan, see san. Da, a very informal and in some cases rude way to end a sentence. Dakara, therefore. Demo, but. Des deska, the regular slash formal way to end a sentence. When na is added at the end, it means but. Tomo, thanks. Don, bowl. Dozo, please. By all means. Eh. Eh? Eh. Good. Eto. A sound one makes when thinking, similar to um or ah. Nga. Used to define the subject. Gajin. A mildly insulting term for a foreigner. Gambarimas. Do your best. Gyu. Beef. Gozaimas. Gozaimashita. Literally means to be, but is used as a suffix to make something more polite. Gozaimashita is past tense. Hai, yes. Hajimemashite, nice to meet you. Hana, nose. Hito, person. Ie, no. Ikitai, ikitain. I want to go. Iro, color. Isha, doctor. Ojo. A very respectful term when speaking to someone else's daughter. Ka, said at the end of a question. Kakigori, shaved ice slash snow cones. Kara, from. Kawaii, cute. Kire, kirena, pretty. Konnichiwa, good day. Korea, this, very informal. Kudasai, please. Kun, sisan. Omachi, omachite, 
Wait. Me, I. Mirai, the distant future. Mite, look. Mizu, water. Mo, also. Nanda, what? Onegai, please. Neko, cat. Ni, at, in, on, to. Nyan, a pun combining the sound a cat makes, nya, with the suffix chan. Oi, hey. Onegai, please. Oni, demon. Ona, woman. Oki, okina. Big, sake, alcohol. Sama, si san. San, sama kun chan. Suffixes added to the end of the name to be more polite. Sama is the most polite, kun is used for young boys, and chan for young girls. Shmata, dam. So, so, really, simin. Smimasen, excuse me. Tabun, probably. Taskete, help me. Oteerai, the lavatory. Toere, katakana spelling of toilet. Urusai, noisy. Wakarimasen, I don't understand. Wakarimashita, understood. Watashi, I, o, indicates direct object of action. Yakuni tatanai, not useful. Yo, said to add emphasis at the end of a sentence. Yoroshiku, best regards. Thanks for listening. I'm not going to lie, that was a little exhausting. (laughs) But I'm glad I did it, and I hope you enjoyed listening to Volume 1 of Lita and the Samurai. Next week, I might post another audiobook chapter, but I don't want to make any promises, as I've said multiple times this week. Uh, It's really hard to plan more than a few days in advance right now because things are moving very quickly, which is why I'm constantly surprised (laughs) that it is still March when it really feels like it should be April. Like, I feel like I've lived a a a month in the past week. So check back in next week, subscribe if you'd like an update, or you can get information and updates at guineverelee.com. That's G-U-E-N-E-V-E-R-E-L-E-E dot com. Uh, let me know what you thought of the episodes. If you'd like to hear more audiobooks, you can leave a message for me on the website or on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, I'm at Guinevere Lee. On Instagram, I'm at Guinevere underscore Lee. Until we meet again, stay healthy, everyone.